You are listening to Branch Out by Sycamore. I, you know, I think the hardest step is to actually do it, to just start. Um, and in the beginning, when I, when I had it in the conceptual phase, I, had, I have a cousin who was a patent attorney, and her advice had, for everything had been, um, you know, don't talk about it. Someone's just going to steal your idea. They're Melissa Daniel Howard, VP of Physician Placement at Sycamore, and welcome to Branch Out, where we chat with healthcare professionals about broad-reaching topics like their careers in medicine, hobbies and pursuits outside the hospital walls, and everything in between. We're so glad you're here. All right, Sycamore listeners, today on the show, we have Dr. Jessica Lubon. She is a board-certified urologist and the founder of Onder. Jessica, it is a great pleasure to have you with us today. How are you? Good. Thanks for having me. Of course. Thanks for making time for us. You are currently in Oregon. Is that correct? Portland, Oregon. Ah, Portland. What's your favorite thing about living in Portland? Oh, I love how I'm an hour from the coast, an hour from the mountain. There's... Weather changes, but not extreme. Mm-hmm. Um, fairly easy living. Um, and so it's sort of, I'm from LA originally, but I had okay. family up in Portland. And so it's always been, it's, it's always been my second home. So it feels mm-hmm. very comfortable. That's awesome. So you mentioned um, that you were from LA originally, born and raised there, or mm-hmm. tell me a little bit of your origin story. Yeah, born and raised in Los Angeles to okay. um, first generation parents. Okay. Um, I have an older sister. First generation from? So my mom is Japanese Chinese, and my dad is um, Chinese. So they both, oh, wow. they were both born in China and then uh-huh. ran away during the revolution, grew up in Taiwan, and then Mm. um, immigrated for college to the U.S. Wow, so they immigrated together. They had already no, met. Um, well, there's that's arguable. <laughs> depends on which period you ask. <laughs> it depends on what time period you ask. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, so they say they, you know, there have been a lot of uh, different stories of their origin. Um, there's mm. some suggestions that they used to always tell us they met here in the states in college. Um, okay. But you know. As the stories come out, it sounds like they were acquainted in Taiwan. Okay. And, All um, right. I don't know. Funny. There must be something there that uh, they don't want. <laughs> cohabitation uh, or something that they don't right. want me to know about. So. Some shameful secret the family can't talk about. <laughs> or it's just that. easier that way. I'm not sure. Right. But I think they've known each other since they were 18. And, oh, wow. Um, and then um, went to college. In, well, no. Because my my they both went to college in Taiwan and then they came kind of as a post post college so they must have known each other through college and then mm-hmm. um, yeah you know, college here as well uh-huh. that's really cool are they both um, are they both living still mm-hmm. yep okay, they both awesome. are they to, are you close to them yeah they both moved to Portland they were of the um, we are going to die in LA variety. <laughs> but then I just have one older sister and, um, okay. after she moved to Portland as well, they, mm-hmm. they also picked up and moved up here. So that's been really yeah. nice to have them close by. Oh, for sure. I'm assuming there's probably grand, grandbabies somewhere. Right. My sister has in two that kids equation. and I have two kids and okay. that was an yeah. easy discussion after that. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. It's got to be, I would imagine it's really helpful too to have mom and dad nearby it's so and family helpful. nearby. So helpful. Yeah. I can't imagine yeah. not having, my mom is such a willing participant. She can pick up childcare at an emergency's notice. So she's mm-hmm. just been a lifesaver. Yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome. So you are a practicing um, board certified urologist and you've been um, practicing in Oregon for at least a decade. Am I, am I right in that? Um, eight years. Yeah, almost. Okay. All right. Yeah. Okay. So what took you from growing up in LA to now being a full-time urologist? And we'll talk about the other things you do as well. But (laughs) can you tell me a little bit about how you decided on med school and urology? 
Um, I kind of, I went through a non-traditional path, I think. My sister was okay. always, since she was little, wanted to be a doctor. My aunt and uncle, who are actually in Portland, um, were physicians, and she was always really inspired by that. My grandpa was a pediatrician, and he he loved loved his career, um, didn't retire until he was 80. Um, oh, wow. Yeah. so He, he did love it. <laughs> yeah, absolutely loved it, thought it was the best job in the world. Um, And so she was always really inspired by that. And um, being the younger sister, I wanted nothing to do with medicine for most of my life. Um, Mm -hmm. And I I think I had an existential crisis in college because I was actually an econ major um, going into finance in college. Um, And it was in that period where... um, you know, my, I remember my uncle asked me, you know, when you look at what you want to become in the future, um, you have to consider what it's going to make you proud at the end of your life. You know, what are you going to be able to say you've done? Um, and more than money is that you've made a difference and that makes, as you get older, that's going to make more of a difference to you. Um, and so at the time I was, you know, applying for a bunch of, um, banking firms. And so I think I took the MCATs on a whim and actually, um, you know, I, I had, um, it always, it was always present in my life. I always liked the sciences and I kept, um, kept the sciences up. Um, but, um, in college, I was a. I started off as an econ and math major. So I had, in my junior year, when I was deciding what to do, I had that. Well, I think um, medicine might be for me. So I I did a bunch of volunteering, um, shadowing, just to see if there are different lifestyles that I would I would like. Um, yeah. And thought, you know, I found that medicine was very broad and seemed that you could, um, in some ways, dictate your path. So that, sure. there was some appeal to that. Um, mm-hmm. And so after my, after I made that decision, I had pretty much finished my econ major. And so then I just did my pre-med requirements. Mm-hmm. I went to med school afterwards. So then I thought to myself, am I not looking at medicine because don't want to be like my sister or I actually have mm-hmm. no interest in it? Because your sister's older, too. My so sister's you're like, older, so I didn't want to follow in her footsteps. Uh-huh, right. I'm a second way. child, too. I get it. <laughs> <laughs> I will carve my own path. Okay? Yep. It's not going to be yours. Yeah, yep, exactly. <laughs> what is, uh, what's your sister's specialty? She's an anesthesiologist. So see, it's totally different. Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay, so you made the decision to go. Mm-hmm. You took your MCATs. Talk, keep keep talking to me about it from there. Yeah, so then um, so I made my decision so to go to med school. Um, in med school, I always thought that I would, um, I, you know, I always thought I, I liked procedural things. Um, mm. You know, I li- I'm kind of a tinker. Mm-hmm. Um, like I, one of the, th- my favorite things to do is to build Ikea furniture. Like, in, <laughs> like when I retire, I want to be a task rabbit person yes. that just puts it, yes. puts together Ikea furniture. Cause I, uh-huh. I, I actually love it. I think there's like something very relaxing and therapeutic, you know, a little is bit, it... it's a little mindless, but, sure. it's a, but then in the end you've built something. You have a finished product. Yeah, you have a finished product, and I and yeah. I I don't know. I love that. And so, <laughs> that could totally be your retirement shtick. Oh, I though, know, you know, I know. I tell yeah. I tell my husband all the time: if medicine doesn't work out, I'm going to be a task rabbit person yes. and build IKEA I like furniture that. for people. Yeah, and you can totally go and like you know, uh-huh. you, like uh, go to the IKEA nearby yep. your, yep. within driving and distance just, and like hand out your business yes. card and be like, hand hey. out flyers. You know, the little sticky yeah. things they could. Exactly. call my number and I'll come yeah. build it for them. <laughs> um, so I love doing that kind of thing. Um, uh-huh. So I always thought that um, um, surgery was would be a, a, a good fit. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, um, oh, I guess in med school, one of the one of my mentors that was really inspiring to me was 
the chair, she was a chairwoman of, of plastic surgery and she had four mm-hmm. kids, um, well published, you know, mm-hmm. just a pioneer in her field. And she was really inspiring to me. So I think that, um, I really want, looked up to her and really, um, kind of pursued surgery as a result of that. You know, she mm-hmm. had this, um, she was really early into empowering women. And mm-hmm. I think she loved pushing women in fields that were non-traditionally, um, she was in non-traditionally women. Um, mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. I feel, I felt like, I think I felt the pull towards a specialty that was um, male dominated just because right. she was so supportive <laughs> in <Yeah>. that field. <laughs> Yeah, um, it sounds and, like she was one of the mentors that would like set you on fire to change the yeah, industry. Yeah, you know? so she would yeah. say, oh, you know. You, Just by being there. Yeah, yeah, you need to, there aren't any women here. You need to be the, you need to be the spokes, you need to represent women. And uh-huh. um, urology was, uh, you know, nobody goes into medical school wanting to be a urologist. <laughs> I mean, it's not the most common one I've heard. <laughs> um, but I think there, there, it definitely attracts a certain personality type. I think you definitely have to have a, cer- a certain humor about you. Sure. Um, I loved how um, it was. There was we played with a, a lot of different technologies. Mm-hmm. Um, you can have an office space practice. You can have a very surgical practice, and I thought that you can dictate your path um, as you saw fit. Um, and then I part, and then I think what really appealed to me as well was when I was applying, there were only 400 board certified urologists that were female in the country. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so I thought, you know, like the effort to actually have to being a little bit more unique, the effort to have to build a practice from scratch was going to be a little bit less strenuous <laughs> just because <laughs> right. um, you could start off you know, you're more likely to start off running because mm-hmm. you'd be more in demand. So yeah, totally. Yeah, totally. Absolutely. So if I understand correctly, and and, and for our listeners, um, <laughs> Jessica's actually our very first urologist that we've had on the, the, the podcast. <laughs> so <laughs> this is a first, you're kind of breaking the seal, so to speak. <laughs> I have terrible jokes. Um, so, you know, you mentioned kind of male dominated industries mm-hmm. and, and female you know, that, that imbalance often that we see in medicine still, even though it's changing of, you know, male to female dominant, um, uh, specialties. And what's interesting though, is that urology, like, well, I guess I should ask this question instead. Where does urology fall on that today? Is it gaining more balance? It is definitely gaining more balance. I mean, even when I was applying, even though there were four, only 400 board certified female urologists, there were 400 in training. And so mm-hmm. the makeup of urology is going to change over time. I think the la- uh, latest statistic were, was that it's still pretty low, like 11% women. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, I think that demographic is going to change over yeah, time. For sure. For sure. Do you, now that you've been in it for a while, um, what about the specialty surprised you most, just with the hindsight you have and the experience you have? Well, um, it is a, it is a, it, it is a funny field. Um, there are, there are definitely days where I think to myself, this is disgusting. Like, why did you go into this? <laughs> <laughs> because it is what you're dealing with is very, sure. can be very, you know, crude and, um, uh-huh. um, you know, individual characteristics of people out there will always keep me in business because there's Mm -hmm. no end to the stupid things people can get themselves into. Um, (laughs) uh, But at the same time, it's actually, it's really rewarding. Um, I do find that um, what's nice about urology is that patients are still, you're not there most of the cancers and the stones and things that you could treat right away, people get better right away and they, they, they have time to enjoy the benefits of what you're doing. And so Mm -hmm. it does feel rewarding in the sense that, um, you can actually, you actually feel like you're making a difference. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. 
from a day. It sounds day. like um, some parallels there between, you know, building a piece of IKEA furniture, yeah. <laughs> having, a, having the product at the end and having a lot of your patients come in with something that's that's fixable, you know, and that is, you know, something you can but, you affect know, their lives a, with in a positive way. As a way. female urologist, it is great for cocktail party stories. Oh, totally. And uh, <laughs> there's a lot of, you know, there's endless amount of material to work uh-huh. with. As you're sipping your Chardonnay, yep. telling stories. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> that can be both uh, really hysterical and uh, in some days really uh, tiring. <laughs> right. Yeah. So yeah. you get both ends of the spectrum. Oh, I bet. So with you, what are some common what are some more common issues that as a female urologist you're faced with? Like, what do you commonly see your patients coming in complaining of? So I do see, since I'm a general urologist, um, mm-hmm. I do see the normal, um, the normal bread and butter urologic issues, you know, BPH, benign prostatic hypertrophy, um, and kidney stones, mm-hmm. the cancers, bladder cancer, prostate cancer, kidney cancers. I do sure. think that there's a predilection to women wanting to see other women. So I do have a lot of, um, I do have a lot of women who seek me out for mm-hmm. um, incontinence and pelvic pain and mm-hmm. um, issues that I think um, would women would feel more comfortable addressing with other women. Um, yeah, there is totally. definitely a there definitely is a population of men who prefer to see women as well. Just mm-hmm. so that's always um, interesting. So, Mm -hmm. yeah, I like how you said that. (laughs) Uh, So, urology consistently does make up the top five highest paying physician specialties, according to, you know, some surveys within the past year and a half. And it's also super competitive, right? There's only what 350 positions for residency matching. Mm -hmm. Um, How would you rate the lifestyle that's afforded to urologists? Uh, And if you had to do it all over again, would you still choose urology? Oh, that's a loaded question. <laughs> yeah, I like the loaded um, questions. <laughs> yeah. Um, I do think that um, in general, uh, urology has a pretty good lifestyle in the sense that for a surgical subspecialty, um, mm-hmm. in the sense that um, there aren't any emergencies or there are very few emergencies where you can't finish dinner be- and go to the hospital. Um, right, right. There are a lot of things that you have to address immediately, but not um, stacked, you know. Right. Um, mm-hmm. So that's nice. Um, in the, um, I do feel that um, there's still a lot of barrier in, um, especially as uh, as a female. Um, I, I do feel like I'm in an interesting position where I can see how reimbursement can really affect and how the government perceives the, the value of treating men versus women. Um, mm. For instance, um, if you are treating a male condition like BPH, it is very well reimbursed versus mm-hmm. if you treat women conditions, it is very poorly reimbursed, you know. Um, That's like interesting. It, it is much more, it's much more um, time efficient to mm. treat, to treat men than women. Um, and yeah. so. Um, where do you think that stems from? Like, oh, where I just does think that... the government doesn't value women. Oh, right? That's fair. Yeah, <laughs> totally. Like, um, um, yeah. you know, like I feel, um, you know, you see pediatric, Pediatric subspecialties, they're always ranked mm-hmm. lowly and re- low in reimbursements um, mm-hmm. because they don't value kids. Um, yeah. You know, urologists get paid a lot more than, say, gynecologists because they deal mm-hmm. with women's conditions. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I just can't believe sometimes, you know, I, I had two babies and the bill that I got for reimbursing all the the months and months of treatment and going in all day long. I just can't believe how little my insurance paid my gynecologist for, you know, my OBGYN mm. for all that time she spent with me. Yeah. Um, and so you see that and it's, 
shocking. And even when when I take my kids to my pediatrician and they spend so much time with me just because I'm a <laughs> crazy mom, right? And You're just thorough. You're not crazy. <laughs> but, <laughs> you, care you know, they get paid so they yeah. they clearly don't value their, you know, the time. And so, I, you yeah. know, I feel like the government does a really poor job of mm. how they value the work yeah. that individuals do. And so... Do you... Uh-huh. You're honestly the first physician who's brought this up and mm-hmm. in... in I'm really interested in your, you know, some further thought on this, if you're open to sharing, but like, do you think that most physicians, most physicians are aware of these discrepancies? I don't don't think so. Cause I do think that, um, uh, well, yes and no. I do think that, um, a lot of women also go into medicine thinking that, well, it's going to be harder to get, um, there's going to be, it's going to be harder to have a salary discrepancy, right? Like you're going to mm-hmm. be paid per RVU you worked. So um, if, if that's the case, then it should be fair, right? Like per hour mm-hmm. work, per hour effort, you should be paid the same. Sure. Um, but, but I guess where, where you don't, and so people will say, well, women make less in, so this is what you hear all the time in medicine. It's like, well, women would make less because, they, um, they work less, you know, they tend to be the ones that take time off. They take, they're the ones that, um, have more vacation or, you know, they're the ones working 70%. Mm -hmm. Um, but I think per hour effort, um, you know, women are poor negotiators. So people, women that are employed, they're going to get, you know, they don't, since in medicine, it's very opaque what everyone else makes. Um, Mm You know, I've had friends shocked to find out that their partners are making, you know, a lot more per unit work. And they just had no idea because Mm. it's very opaque in your contract Mm -hmm. negotiations. Right. Um, I've had, you know, women, my female partners or female friends tell me that um, they're not getting bonuses because, you know, someone will say, hey, you're, you know, I had one plastic surgery friend who left academic medicine. She was the highest producer in her, um, in her department. And they told her, you know, your husband's a surgeon. Why do you need it? And she was like, that is, (laughs) that is beside the point. (laughs) Yeah, that is. (laughs) And none of your business. (laughs) Yeah. What I make is none of your business. And I mean, it comes up even, um, you know, like, well, this guy needs it more because they're the primary breadwinner. Breadwinner. Yeah. For, um, and then, and then things like, um, things like what I was telling you about, like if you're in an equal practice where everyone gets paid the same, but mm-hmm. you're, um, you, you know, if I see, if I, if you make less per woman and most of the women get funneled to you, then per hour mm-hmm. work, you're going to end up. And then, you know, people, ex- yeah. the expectations different, right? They, yeah. they, as a woman, they expect you. I, mean, I get all the time, oh, I switched to you because I need to, I need to spend more time talking about my issues, you know, because you're yeah. expected to spend more time, talk uh-huh. about things more thoroughly. Care um, more. You're supposed more to care. And the expectation yeah. is there. So, yeah. um, so I think, you know, per, um, per, per, surgery it takes more Mm -hmm. time to get there so maybe you can't see as many or you're seeing conditions that just don't reimburse well like as much yeah yeah like certain pelvic pain patients that you know they've Mm -hmm. when they've done the cost benefit analysis you Mm -hmm. actually it's a negative line (laughs) item and so um if you see a lot of it you're not you're gonna look unproductive even if you right you know, and so you can, you can see that in production. Like I, you know, mm. let's say I see the most patients or the most number of new patients, but your actual, um, rev, your actual work revenue is actually mm-hmm. looks very low because mm. you're not doing anything that is valued highly. Right. By insurance, company. by insurance company, by the government. It's just, yeah. a, it's just a, the, it's the yeah. unit of work set by the government. Yeah. How do we change that? 
Because now yeah. I'm like, okay, all the women, let's get together. I mean, We're changing I, our podcast I'm not trying to land. say that. To, <laughs> I'm not saying that, oh, like, oh, woe is me. I feel bad. I mean, I, I do feel really lucky that for I for working four days a week, there's there are very few jobs that I could do to make the reimbursement that I make working four days sure. a week. Um, sure. But yeah, I don't, I, I, I don't think that, I think there's a lot of room for improvement. Yeah. I definitely don't hear you complaining at all about your, your situation. I do hear you. There's um, a lot of frustrations and I wish that we could change. I think, I think the first thing. Shedding light on that. (laughs) I think the first thing is, I think physicians, you know, there's a lot of resentment amongst each other, you know, like Mm. we're often, well, um, you know, this specialty makes so much more than that specialty, right? Like sure. we need to quit fighting amongst ourselves and, mm-hmm. you know, and we, I think we should openly talk about how much we make. So everyone knows, yeah. um, mm-hmm. I, you know, what their partner's getting paid. And mm-hmm. I think the transparency um, is huge. You know, when you're taking a job out of residency, I mean, everything sounds like a ton of money, but then you don't realize sure. that they're offering you nothing when you, if you don't mm-hmm. know what the market value is. Mm-hmm. And so yeah. I think as physicians, we need to stop arguing which specialty gets what reimbursement and how to, <laughs> you know, how to make the whole pie bigger, you yeah, know, ask yeah. why, not why someone's making so much, but ask why someone's making so little. So little. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, why is that yeah. valued so poorly? And why That's is a the, much better question. Yeah. Why is, why does, you know, why does the spine rep get paid more than the spine surgeon? Why is the, uh-huh. the president of the, you know, the CEO of the hospital getting paid more than, you know, the mm-hmm. neurosurgeon, right? Mm-hmm. Those are, mm-hmm. I think, better questions rather than internally fighting about it. Yeah. 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 I mean, Jessica, who do you think you are to ask those questions? I know. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I don't know if, if you would agree with this or not, but a lot of my girlfriends and I have talked recently about, you know, about our value in the workplace because mm-hmm. many of us work, you know, some part-time, some full-time, um, some own their own businesses, yeah. others work for other, you know, all across the right. the gamut. But just the idea that seems to be shared between all of us is this, um, like a hesitation to ask for what we think we yeah. are worth, Yeah, you know, Absolutely. and that seems to be common with more common than not with women. I, I don't get it, uh-huh. but I, I'm like, but I do understand it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so like to be able to change, I think you point to changing the questions that we're asking mm-hmm. can maybe help women feel more empowered to, to, to ask for more, you know, to, to have these questions with other or these discussions rather with other women and start to, you yeah. know, feel a little more bold yeah, and prepared to ask so. for what they want and so. need. Yeah. And it's funny because yeah. I, I just did my first, um, pitch competition or okay. I, mean, I guess I'm in the midst of it. Um, I just to get angel investors on board with my company. Uh-huh. And, um, it's been a, it's been a very interest just because I know so little bit, little about, um, getting outside money, but, mm-hmm. um, so I did some financial modeling and one of the criticisms to that some, one of the investors put to me was that, um, but you know you're growing so slowly and i and i said well um yes but uh, obviously i hope to grow faster but mm-hmm. like with my current numbers i think this is extremely realistic right i mm-hmm. i think they're pretty good but i think this is also very achievable and he, and so his thing was like well you're you know, you can't just sell realism. You need to sell the dream. Like, I was like, well, I, I mean, if you want okay. me to make stuff up, I can make stuff up. You know? Yeah. <laughs> give me 30 seconds. Yeah, Here I we can go. give you numbers. <laughs> yeah. But I just, and so I think that, um, we, I think that's like part of the women, like women thing. You, if you feel like you really need to prove yourself. Um, mm. I think, you know, as someone who looks younger, um, I have patients all ask all the time after I spend an hour talking to them about surgery, they ask me, oh, okay, so who's doing it? And it's like, 
Well, I'm that good. would be me. <laughs> I'm like, your expert here. Yeah, I, yeah. We just spent an hour talking to you about it. What do you mean? Who's uh-huh. gonna do it, right? Yeah. And so that yeah. gives you, um, and or they look at you and they immediately say, "Well, how many of these have you done?" Or mm-hmm. um, like, "Are you qualified?" I mean, literally, "Are you qualified mm-hmm. to do this?" Um, wow. So even though that those are very innocent questions over time, sure. over and over again, I think it actually eats away at your confidence. Like, well, maybe mm. I'm not the best person yeah. for this. And then yeah. I also think that um, they've already shown you, they've already expressed doubt in you, right? So then you mm-hmm. feel like you can't justify their doubt. Like you have to have an extra perfect result to mm. prove that they, like, you were worthy of it, you know? So I mm-hmm. do feel, um, I do feel like that constant questioning of your ability does affect, mm-hmm. does, you know, does have an impact of, um, what you're willing to take on and you yeah. know, what, yeah. how you perceive yourself and how you, totally. how you sell things. Cause you yeah, know, you don't want them to say, "Well, you said this, and I didn't think you uh-huh. could." <laughs> you know, you you, yeah. you almost feel like you have to be, um, you have to be extra good. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. you can't have any, you. I often feel like I can't have any complications because mm. that would that would validate their, you know, mm-hmm. their worry or their doubt. So. Mm-hmm. Almost like we apologize for being in a space yep, and then exactly. work doubly hard to prove that we belong in that yeah, space. Yeah, it just feels like you're constantly trying to prove that you're you're worthy to to be there. Yeah. This is not the same at all, but I, I play music on the side just as a little hustle because like, mm-hmm. I just love it and it keeps me sane. Yeah. And uh, I can't tell you the number of times I've showed up with, and it's just acoustic stuff, it's nothing crazy fancy, but I show up with my guitar and I get set up and they're like, oh, well, who's going to come play for you? <laughs> I'm like, oh, no, I, I accompany myself, you know, they're like, oh, okay. And literally, I think it was last Friday night, I was playing a happy hour. And this table of ladies was there. And uh, they were having a great time. And after and they were fairly responsive. Yeah. And after it was over, I was talking to them and thanking them for their attention. Mm-hmm. And, and she said, honey, now, don't be offended by this. And I thought, oh, no. And she said, but I I normally don't like girls who play music, but oh you are actually good. I was oh like, I said, well, thank you. Thank you, Sharon. I, uh, you know, I usually don't like females in my audience either, but you guys are great too. Yeah, I've had that before. Like I had a patient who, I don't know, is, I mean, some days it's like, why are you seeing me then? She was, she, she was, um, she, her, her, she was a widow, but her husband was a urologist. And okay. she was like, oh, well, how many kids do you have? And I told her I had two. And she said, well, you must be a terrible mom. And I was <gasps> like, no. Wow. Okay. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> what makes you think that? Okay. I'm not saying I'm a great mom, but I don't know if I'd go as far as terrible. But, oh, um, man. And she's like, well, uh, she's like, well, if you're, you know, if you're working full time, there's no way you could be mom to your kids. Oh, man. Like, oh, Did you have to leave the room to collect yourself? Because yeah. I would have. <laughs> I was like, I, I'm not sure. Um, I'm not sure how We're going to add some sedation to this office <laughs> visit for this exam. <laughs> Count backwards from five. <laughs> yeah, she's like, you can't be a good, if you're a good urologist, you're going to be a terrible mom. And I was like, well, uh, I hope that is not the case. Thinking. But yeah. I'm sure it's not the case. <laughs> <laughs> well, this feels like a good time to also transition. You're not just a mom and not just a urologist, but you also are the founder of Onder. Mm-hmm. Can you tell me a little bit about about your company? So as a urologist, I see on a, on a, the daily basis people with urinary incontinence. And mm-hmm. um, it started actually from one, a family member of mine who had um, issues after prostate cancer surgery. Mm. And so what was I thought was really interesting was that I, as a urologist, I always thought he had a great response. He was cancer free. Um, he didn't really wear any pads or I think he didn't wear pads unless he was working out. Um, mm-hmm. And so in, in my doctor mind, I always thought he did great. Um, but yeah. after um, after practice, he actually talked to me about it and said it was a, one of the only things in his life that has ever made him depressed, you know, dealing with 
just how he manages his leakage. Like he, mm. um, it's just enough where he he's worried that he someone else would notice, or is he's gonna yeah. he's gonna be like an old man, or um, and so it just really broke my heart at the time, or you know, yeah. I just and I couldn't, and it it really struck me how it doesn't matter how little you leak, um, the the leakage itself was. Um, was the issue just any leakage is mm-hmm. really embarrassing and sure. um, there's some loss of dignity there and so I just started to think about like what is it about the leakage that is so dehumanizing and mm-hmm. it's the you know changing in the locker room when and it looks like you know you're wearing a pe- or you looks like you're wearing a diaper or you're right um you're worried about the smell or, you know, something unexpected. And so, um, when I was, when I had my first, I would try to be eco-friendly with my first and I was trying all sorts of different diapering, cloth diapering mm-hmm. systems. Cloth, yeah. uh-huh. Um, <laughs> it just, what it really showed me was that there's a lot of technology out there. That right. could be applied in a way that um, it could be used. I mean, if it could hold a full kid's bladder, mm-hmm. um, it should be able to handle, like, we should be able to modify this in such yeah. a way that you could, that you can make it look like a normal underwear and yeah. at least take that stigma um, embarrassment out of leakage. Mm-hmm. And so just to not to interrupt you, but mm-hmm. when you got this idea originally mm-hmm. um, from, you know, having your own experience mm-hmm. with the baby and the yeah, cloth yeah, diapers yeah. And, and your your family member, was this like what year was this? Because now I know we have the yeah. period panties and those yeah, types yeah. of things. I mean, this and so was like this was so my daughter was born in 2014. OK, so this was um, pre at least the big this is about the time when um, the period, the main period panties started coming mm-hmm. out. Cause I remember I had not heard of um, mm-hmm. the period panties until I yeah. started thinking about it. And at the time I thought, Oh darn it. Someone has done it. But then uh-huh. when I bought a few, you know, they're not um, blood is very, has a very different viscosity than, mm. Um, urine and so they mm-hmm. they actually didn't hold enough m- any meaningful volume for f- like very for like water something more watery right um and so and then so they were kind of designed to do the period exactly. job but and it's then, not something yeah. you could just switch and use for incontinence yeah and then the okay. placement you know for the mm-hmm. place for your periods is not quite where you want it to be right for, so just, just a little yeah just a little didn't work it doesn't work well enough. And then there, there was actually right. nothing for men at that mm. time. So, okay. Um, yeah. And so I thought, and then, so then I thought, well, there's still, you know, there's still a lot of improvement that can be made in these. Um, there's, and then the whole movement to actually talk about it, destigmatize it, you know, mm-hmm. like the way they've, they've done with periods, help now on social media, people will yeah. show their dirty tampons and it's totally okay, <laughs> right? I remember <laughs> literally being 14. Uh-huh. I mean, this was a long time ago yeah. and feeling so ashamed my dad had to come pick me up at school. Yeah. I mean, I was mortified. Oh my gosh, my dad knows I've got my beard. <laughs> you know, like, and like for years, I didn't want to have to buy my own products. Yeah. I'd be like, oh my God, oh, I'm so embarrassed. Yeah. Yeah. But it's literally, literally the most natural things yeah. that half of the population experiences and that's definitely changed yeah and the thing is i mean half the population experiences leakage at some point right right and And people don't talk about it really yeah i feel and i and i can see that just with you know my friends and when i have people try things on they'll say like oh these are Mm -hmm. great but no and i'll say oh can i use your picture can i use your statement and they'll say oh yeah yeah, but can you can you not say it's for that's kind of the point. That is the point. We need to talk. About, and I feel like being a urologist, everyone opens up to me about it. And uh-huh. it's like, well, if you all could hear yourselves talk, you would just yeah. realize everyone is going through the same thing. And yeah. it would be a no big deal. 
Yeah. Um, yeah. And even Especially, among men, you know, like it's yeah, so much more common totally. than they will ever admit to. And yeah. if it becomes a more open discussion, I think it'll be more okay for everyone. Um, and then at the time, the other thing that happened at the time that finally kind of pushed me over too was, um, you know, there, then it came the whole Me Too movement and things. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then like one of the biggest um, period panty underwear, you know, thinks their CEO and founder got caught up with the, you know, got pushed out because of harassment of stat. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, well, at least we can have a better company with right. leadership that's that's not toxic. Right. <laughs> that's a good start. <laughs> um, so I was like, okay, maybe there is a, there is room for it. And it is a huge, um, well, the pure space is enormous, but even just mm-hmm. the incontinence space, there's, I don't think there's enough people addressing it and it's, it's yeah. a enormous growing market. Well, so yours is, honestly, it's the first product really aimed for men and women who are, who are experiencing mm-hmm. incontinence. And so I'm curious, are there any other, I mean, really outside of your product, ha- what are the options that your patients have available to them readily at least? Well, the disposable pads, like the Ew, Depends yeah. and yeah. liners. Nobody wants that. Yeah. Uh-huh. I mean, and then there's, so, you know, I mean, if you're seeing your doctors, there, there are mm-hmm. procedures sometimes that you could do medications, mm-hmm. there, um, mm-hmm. nerve stimulation, Botox. I mean, there are things that you could do for leakage. Um, and, and there's an ever, you know, growing market for sort of just sort of like the menstrual cups equivalent. Right. Yes. Um, yeah. And there's certain, you know, pessaries and vaginal insertion devices that okay. um, are kind of geared in women towards mm-hmm. incontinence as well. Um, mm-hmm. But I do. But it sounds like yours is really the kind of the first of its kind uh, in I, the space, like wearable type, yeah. reusable, wow. washable, okay. reusable. Yeah. Um, and, and, I feel like it's more, well, there are other incontinence underwear out there. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. They're just ugly as sin. You might, <laughs> as, well, <laughs> you might as well wear uh, depends then. Because uh-huh. those yeah. depends are and mom ever getting cuter. <laughs> yeah. So. Well, I will say, I looked at your website and it's really good. Oh, you like, like it? Oh, thanks. I do. <laughs> I love the diversity of it too. It feels like, it feels like even choosing your models, mm-hmm. you know, there's different body types, there's, you know, different, um, it, it's just, there's such diversity and mm-hmm. it feels really intentional mm-hmm. when, when you look at the page. Mm-hmm. So how did you, how did, were you, it just feels intentional. So was it, how did it you was choose your completely models? completely intentional. Um, I see that. <laughs> Um, well, I wanted um, I I wanted just a diversity of body types because that's mm-hmm. just reality. That's real. um, yeah. And I wanted to make sure people like people knew that they were comfortable, not just for the you know Victoria's Secret model type. Mm-hmm. Um, I and I I want it to be something that fits everybody. Um, right. And I love also. Um, I love it when there is like an ambiguity of ethnicity as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, just because um, I just think it's more interesting that way. I think we're all blended. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And so I love it when you can't really tell, are they white? Are they black? Are they? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. And then, you know, yeah. my kids are going to be, my husband is uh, white and I am not. And so mm-hmm. I, you know, for my kids' sake, I do think that, um, like that, I love that, like ethnic ambiguity in them as mm-hmm. well. They yeah. they can kind of, you know, they can kind of blend wherever they are, mm-hmm. or I hope yeah. that they would be able to. Yeah, so. totally. And just to see more, I think in our media, the movement towards seeing. Mm-hmm not just one type of mm-hmm. human, one type of man, one type of woman, and that be it, but rather to be able to represent, like you said, all the diversity and blending and multicultural that is 
Yeah, it, it's it, it is what is real today. And to be able to see yourself represented in media where it hasn't been represented prior. But I, mean, I also like I picked that older huge. woman too, just because yeah. it's like, you could be fun. You know, you can yeah. be older and you can still be amazing and fun. And not just be old, yeah. you know, like, I, like, I love yeah, how she's yeah. flexible she and she, you know, yeah. <laughs> it's, um, she had like so much spunk, yeah, like there was so I much good that. energy you know, on the like, site. Yeah. How, yeah. how I hope I at all age, like a Betty White kind of yeah. age, you're, totally. you're always yeah. youthful yeah. and right. Yeah. Um, and, and that's who yeah. my target is. You know, there are some people who are, who will never care, you know, they do not mm-hmm. care about, mm-hmm. um, or, you know, what, what they wear or what they smell like, or, you know, it just mm-hmm. doesn't bother them. Well, yeah. um, then I guess it doesn't really matter, but there are people who are, you know, are not, they can be older, but they don't, they don't feel older. And yeah. Yeah. Um, I just, I just want something that kind of speaks to all that. Mm-hmm. Well, I think you did a great job oh, accomplishing that. Honestly, it's really good. I was like, I should get some of these. I don't, you know, take them to to the next CrossFit double under workout or something. I don't know. <laughs> so, I do have to ask though. You so you went from an idea mm-hmm. into now you have this fully functioning site. Yeah. You're making sales. Mm-hmm. You, you have a, a, a portion of the market. There's a big gap of how oh, you yeah. got there, oh, right? Yeah. So, like, how did you go from an idea that to was, a concept? Yeah, to a, that was really. Um, I, you know, I think the hardest step is to actually do it, to just start. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And in the beginning, when I, when I had it in the conceptual phase, I have, I have a cousin who is a patent attorney and her advice okay. had, for everything had been, um, you know, don't talk about it. Someone's just going to steal your idea. They're just, you know, mm-hmm. but in yeah. the end, I do feel, um, I do feel that I started talking about it. And I think that's what actually made it happen Mm. because someone will connect you with, you never, your, the people, you know, know all sorts of people. And so I had a friend who connected me with a friend who had made underwear, um, for, you know, he, um, he was, um, a ortho rep who made, he, he used to be overweight and he thought that mm-hmm. um his his scrotum would rub mm-hmm. would chafe and on his leg and so he created these underwear that create a little pouch so it separates okay. okay yeah anyhow i was like oh seems functional <laughs> sure. yeah. but they have that now like it was like this there was pre a brand called sax with okay S-A-X-X. clever um, <laughs> But he kind of had an idea like that pre-sax. Um, okay. And so anyway, see, so he had basically, so I had a conversation with him and he basically went, told me his process of like, well, you need to find a pattern maker and then someone mm-hmm. a prototype for you. And then, you, mm-hmm. um, and so like, then you kind of have like a pathway. Well, I need to look for a pattern maker you know first. what to do yeah and then yeah. And once you get plugged into um someone who's actually um someone who's actually in manu or the manufacturing then mm-hmm. they'll say like then they'll kind of connect you with well the fact in a factory you need to be able to have a tech pack with this size run and so then you you can it's amazing what you can fiber <laughs> and, <Yeah. laughs> um, or True. upwork it's a, i mean it is amazing like all the stuff you can get somebody to do resources yeah, yeah. for you mm-hmm. um, so you don't have to have all the answers you just have to know no, what you questions just, to ask yeah you just have to find the right person who can yeah. get you to the next step and that. so i think it's the like but talking to people they'll give you ideas of where to look for that next yeah. step did you like beta test the products on patients or friends or family. Okay. (laughs) All my friends and family basically. Uh Okay. Um, And so especially, you know, especially with my male line, it was, you know, it was inspired by one of my family members. So Mm -hmm. I made him test, I mean, so many versions, so, so, so many versions of it. And, you know, and so a lot of, a lot of the design is, um, 
you know, may be a little unique because it may be very individualistic, you know, like uh-huh. um, it doesn't have a waistband because he's got super sensitive skin. So anything mm. with any elastic or any, um, yeah. so couldn't have anything in it that could cause a, sen- a skin sensitivity reaction. And mm-hmm. so we had to find, you know, different ways of making that a waistband um, and, you know, it needs to go back a little. It needs to go front. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this yeah, is too tight. Your legs are too right. tight. Yeah. Your, it's too high. Okay. It's too low. You know, like it's yeah. too long. You know, yeah. uh, like men are not going to do this. And uh-huh. and so and, and so for the final, the final, when I finally got it down, he put it on. He was like, perfect. These are perfect. Oh. <laughs> you know. So what did that feel like it, for it you? It was amazing. So then it was. Yeah. It kind of made it all worth it. It was like, well, you know, if mm-hmm. I never sell a pair. Well, mm-hmm. you've got several thousand. <laughs> you probably don't need to buy underwear again in this lifetime. If never. this doesn't sell, yeah. you'll never have to buy underwear again. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but but you are selling. Mm-hmm. And if we have listeners who are interested mm-hmm. for themselves, family, friends, patients, whatever, how can they find your product? So um, right now I'm just selling on my website, www.underwear.com. And Beautiful. So, and we'll be sure to link that to oh, the thanks. show notes as well so that people can can support. Yeah, I love it. I think it's incredible. Uh, it's so fun to also, I'm seeing this pattern in your life of like problem solution, you know, like creative, get to that solution, you know, and I, I think that's really cool it doesn't, to observe. It doesn't so feel that well organized sure. when I'm going through okay. it, right. but, but, you know, I it's think It's not about I, the organization. <laughs> You know, I, I feel like it's sort of, um, you know, Um, it's a lot of, so many times in your life you come, you're, you know, you're having wine and you say mm -hmm. like, why doesn't somebody do this? You know, why, why doesn't someone come up with this? Uh And then, you know, you never ask yourself like, why not me? You know? Yeah. Yeah. Why not me? Why don't I? Why? Maybe you have that question yeah. for a reason. Maybe you have yeah. the solution somewhere. Yeah. And it's part That's of awesome. it. Yeah. So it was like, wow. Like if I think it was really helpful to, for me to see somebody um, mm-hmm. who was had another job and was able mm. to go through it and have a yeah. line to look at that and say, oh, this is very doable. Right. Like yes. Somebody has done yeah. this. This is uh-huh. very doable. So yeah, does it take much maintenance on the the day to day? Because you you still practice full time mm-hmm. and you have children and a family and mm-hmm. yeah. Well, I mean, so the good the good thing about it is because um, I, I mean I've some a lot of things have been very lucky. Like I've met mm-hmm. the right people that. Um, Right. It's like I have somebody who does my fulfillment for me, so I don't have to right. worry about packaging. Mm-hmm. Um, I have, um, you know, right now I really like my current little teeny tiny marketing team. Um, yeah. And so they're very independent. And so um, I love that since we're such a startup, it's, you know, you don't have, we don't have these, we only have meetings when we there's something we can't answer over Right. An email. Um, yeah. I I wish that I had more time. I think I could do so much more um, mm-hmm. if I had more time to concentrate on it. You know, like there right. are different. Like it's been. I I feel like I've had for a for a year and a half just uh, like a very empiric MPA, just learning about marketing and all the different uh-huh. areas of it that. This is yeah. so different from medicine. Yes. Um, if I know what I know now, I would have launched very differently. I would have done things very, very differently. Um, mm-hmm. But I, but I've learned so much, made so many mistakes. Um, but I, I do feel like I'm in a in a much better place now. And yeah. um, if I if I could dedicate more of my time to it then I do think that it would, it would grow a lot quicker. Yeah. Um, but so yeah. far until it, I, you know, I feel like I, it could sustain itself. Sure. Um, it's, it's kind of, it is what it is. It's what is feasible at this moment. Yeah. 
you know, right. Yeah. It's not where I yeah. want it to be. It's not what I want it to want, want to do, but it is mm-hmm. what I can manage right now. Right. Well, and that seems like a pretty fair place to be. Yeah. You know, you can't, you, you, it's like you can't rush your children <laughs> yeah. past a certain age, right? They yeah. just have to grow into the next age. Yeah. And it's, I imagine with the, with the startup, yeah. it's much the same. You just can't, yeah. you can't rush the seasons, but rather learn what you can and yeah. do what and you can. And my husband is my main investor or only yeah. investor. And so <laughs> in order to keep, keep his buy-in, I have to go uh-huh. slowly. That's fair. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, awesome. Well, so I want to shift gears just a little bit here because okay. I know we have kind of a hard stop today. And I love to ask, I, I enjoy rather, I enjoy um, what we call the rapid fire question mm-hmm. uh, section. And so if you're game to play along, sure. I'm going to just power through a bunch of questions and you answer with your first, uh, with first thing that comes to mind. Okay. 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 Beautiful. So in your line of medical practice, what is the craziest foreign object you've ever removed from a patient? Or if that doesn't apply, what's the most insane explanation of an injury they present with? Oh man. I mean, there's so many here. I, um, so I've taken out of a single patient, a digital thermometer, earrings, mm-hmm. glass, mm-hmm. um, a perfume bottle, like um, one after another. Yeah, mm-hmm. like a so magic grab bag. One. Yeah, I. Oh, I had I had in a man. They had stuck an iPhone charging cord all the way up in there. <laughs> Is this what we we're supposed to do? Yeah. This? <laughs> I, no, and I asked him why. I mean, what? And then it got knotted up, so you couldn't pull it out. And I said, well, I mean, what made you think that, like, what made you do this? And he, he told me, well, I had an itch. And I, and I said, that is not a normal response to an itch. <laughs> not a normal response. I mean, at least get a pipe cleaner or something. <laughs> I don't know. I was Jeez. like, how, how would the iPhone cord itch you? But anyway. Right. I was thinking like a supercharged, you know, <laughs> I won't finish that segment. Um Okay, if you could instantly become an expert in anything, what would it be? An expert in anything? Oh, yeah. I would love to be, you know, like a really amazing skier, snowboarder. Oh, that'd be fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah, maybe both. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what is your current favorite hobby in all the spare time I'm sure you have? <laughs> um, yeah, my I guess... What do I do for fun besides um, besides my company right now? Right. Um, I guess. I mean, I guess I paint a little bit. Oh, you know what? That's I you know fun. what I would. So I do. I am. Well, I have a partially written book. So, Ooh. Okay. Um, so I guess. That would be my favorite hobby, I guess. I wish I could draw a little bit better so I can illustrate it, but. Yeah. Are these like fiction? Is it a fiction book? Oh, no. I have a book that currently is titled Confessions of a Female Urologist. <laughs> and so it's gonna I'm be the like, best coffee table book so, ever. Yeah, it is. It is exactly yeah. that. I meant it for yes. it to be a coffee table book with illustrations. I'd like the cover. I'm proposing it's just an iPhone charger. It's like just dangling. Okay. But then, um, but yeah, so when I, when I find inspiring ideas, I try to incorporate it in without, I mean, the thing is you don't want it. I'm trying to make it not about patience because I don't actually want to make fun of people, but it's just, I feel like as a, I mean, just as a female urologist, you're in so many ridiculous situations. Uh-huh. So yeah. it's more yeah. that like these moments of situations, not, these, not the people. <laughs> yeah, exactly. These moments of absurdity yeah. that you're like, wow, uh-huh. like, I feel like I live in the <laughs> twilight zone. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have any, uh, this is not part of the rapid fire, but are there any like jokes that only urologists think are funny? Yeah, definitely. Can you give me one? Um, well... Like I was looking at the other day, um, you know, like um, when Ted Cruz was running for president, he had the trust Ted, right? Slogans. Uh Yes. But it looked like trust, which for us is trans rectal ultrasound. 
so it looks like trust ed you know <laughs> so it looks like you know i don't know right. that's silly it would okay. be, but like it's, it's funny to us <laughs> right that's what i asked for <laughs> um okay if someone gave you like two weeks off of work like completely you're free mm-hmm. for the next two weeks and handed you a ticket to anywhere where would you travel to Ooh, japan that's a good one okay um your house containing everything you own catches fire everyone is safe so all your loved one all your pets everyone's okay and you have time to make a final dash in to get like rescue any one single remaining item what would that item be and why in my house yeah. um I had to save one thing in my house. You know, I do have, um, I have a bunch of birthday cards over the years, Uh, you know, random years that I probably will save. And then I also, you know, like my kids, their first birthdays, I've saved all their cards for them just for their first birthdays. Just because, you know, when they turn 18, you don't know who's not going to be there anymore. Just so they have cards from everyone. Okay, so we'll get some sentimental things out. I like that. Um, What's a secret talent that you have? Aside from writing, obviously. (laughs) I'm a really good sleeper. Oh, man, that's a a superpower. Yeah. Any any situation. Like, I can fall asleep. (laughs) I can drink 20 cups of coffee, fall asleep. I can get on a plane and be asleep before it takes off. Oh, that's a gift. super efficient. Yeah. Efficient <laughs> sleeping. Mm-hmm. I like it. <laughs> um, okay. Any books that you've read recently and just really enjoyed? Oh, Cutting for Stone. You tell me about it. Um, it's it's by Abraham Verga. Ver, I don't know how to pronounce his last name, um, okay. but it's it's just a fiction, and it it traces this the um, a pair of twins from. Mm-hmm you know, birth to adulthood. Um, but it's this, this amazing character building. It ties everything together. Um, it, it is got medical, medical influences, but it's just this amazing, you know, coming of age story relationships, you know, immigrating training. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Sounds awesome. Cut, cutting for cutting stone, for is that what stone. you said? Mm-hmm. Okay, Sounds I'll have to add to my list. Very good. All right. Well, that is really kind of bringing to a close our time together, Jessica. Thank you yeah, so much. Um, I know we've covered a lot, but is there any any parting thoughts that you have for our listeners today? Um, I don't, I mean, I don't feel, I still don't feel like I'm in this position where I can dole out a lot of advice. I still feel like most of the time I could barely keep my head above water. Um, Mm -hmm. But I think what really drives me is, you know, there, there have been times in my life where I've been really unhappy with, um, you know, my practice or, you know, there are times where things are really hard when you're on maternity leave and you think this is not, um, this is not good. It, um, but you know, what I feel like compels me to do things is, you know, I don't want to wake up at 65 and just have, you know, just not done anything about it. You know, what actually, mm-hmm. one of the things that drove me to, um, to like invest in underwear is, I you know, I don't want to wake up at, 65 and wonder like well like what could that have been or you know what could we what could we have built and Mm -hmm. you know if it doesn't succeed then at least you know I feel like I've tried and I feel like I'm in a position now where um, the risk of 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 stagnation and not not going after things is Mm -hmm. um, greater than the risk of failing, you know, no Mm -hmm. longer, you know, the risk that you've never done anything to see if you could change something, you could build something (laughs) to always want, you know, that wonder like, Oh, I wonder if I could have run a company or could have wonder if this could have ever come alive, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, so I feel like that's still what 
kind of drives me forward, you know, mm-hmm. just to not be satisfied with, you know, status quo. Yeah, yeah. That's wonderful. It's a good reminder to all of us uh, just to live in a way that you don't wake up one day full of regrets, but yeah. rather you wake up and know that you've 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 done the hard thing, you've made the attempt and however it plays out yeah. is how it's going to play out, exactly. but you've done your part, you know. Yeah. So Awesome. Well, thank you so very much for your time today, Dr. Jessica Lubon. It has been a pleasure. We wish you all the very best with the the growth of your company, with underwear. And it's just been, seriously, I've really enjoyed our conversation. And um, I just hope that... um, that you're able to continue living your life in a way that you don't wake up, you know, with those regrets. And I, I don't think that you will. I think you'll be all right. <laughs> Thank you. It's really fun to be here. Yes, absolutely. We hope to have you back in the future to discuss your book, perhaps, whenever it releases. Yeah. <laughs> that might, that one really might be a pipe dream. I'm a terrible writer. So. <laughs> That's okay. Hey, we got ghost writers. <laughs> we'll find you somebody. All right. uh, well, awesome. thank you so much again for your time. I hope you have a great day. Okay. Bye. If you love the Branch Out by Sycamore podcast, please subscribe, rate, write a review for us. We'd love to hear from you. Until next time.